When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is up, Buff Nation? Welcome into the DNBR Buffs podcast. We are, of course, presented by the American Raptors at Infinity Park. The American Raptors are Rugby Town USA's newest rugby team and have athletes that have competed at the highest level of their respective sports, coming from backgrounds of football, basketball, baseball, wrestling, and soccer. One of those athletes being Tanela Tupo from the University of Washington. Tanny played for the Seahawks, Falcons, and Cardinals, as well as the San Diego Fleet in the AAF and the Seattle Dragons in the XFL. Catch the end of the American Raptors season at AmericanRaptors.com. Stream all their games there. I think they had their last home game last weekend. So unfortunately, you're going to have to wait for next season for those free tickets. Also check out the DMVR Rugby Podcast, hosted by our guy Colton Strickler. Welcome into the show, guys. Just got back home from the basketball game against UC Riverside. The Buffs, we'll get into it for sure. Um, I may have, uh, I don't want to say lied, but I got a curveball thrown at me this week just with the short week of football. I said we weren't going to talk basketball on this Monday pod. Well, guess what? We're going to talk basketball. Uh, That article that is, I said I was going to do tonight on this basketball game will be out tomorrow morning. Um, it's already 11.25 p.m. at the time of recording, and not going to lie, it's been a pretty long day. While the basketball game was fun, I would like to get some sleep before we go back to practice tomorrow. Um, no media availability after that, so you can count on all the football content uh, coming out in terms of the articles probably by Thursday with the game being played on Friday. Also, the Buffs basketball team will be back in action on Friday at 6 p.m. They travel to Grambling to take on the Grambling Tigers. Uh, should be a very fun game. The Buffs, of course, look great tonight in stretches. Uh, we'll get to all that. We'll also get to the Pac-12 recap in this episode also. So let's just jump into the game. I don't really have too many uh, personal notes that I took during the game. I'm still trying to figure out you know, my exact rhythm during these basketball games, handling tweeting, uh, checking out what is going on, what you guys have to say, uh, take my own notes, follow stats, and of course, watch the game on the floor. So bear with me as I kind of figure it out through this basketball season. But the star of the show was Javon Hadley, and he got things off cooking early. He had a block uh, that led to an air ball in transition. That ended up putting Hadley at the line. Um, He looked great early on. KJ looked great early on. Um, He had a steal and a nice behind the back uh, pass to Lawson Lovering, who finished that one. Hadley was just cooking all game, though. Made some moves under the basket. Um, was just hustling all over the floor. Plays on defense. He was very active on defense. 
He had a few steals of his own. Uh, KJ still struggling a little bit with the turnovers. Um, we'll get to the whole stat lines and everything once we're done. Ethan Wright, the transfer in from Princeton, he also looked good. Um, had a couple layups himself. He wasn't afraid to get mixed up under the basket. UC, uh, UC Riverside actually took a quick lead in the first half. Um, there was no baskets for the Buffs in a 2 minute 30 second stretch that allowed UCR to take the lead uh, by one point, but the Buffs quickly regained that. Um, that 230 points drought was ended by uh, Ethan Wright layup and was followed up by a neat Clifford three. Um, it was, I don't want to say they were in danger, but they were obviously needing something a little bit more after they kind of fell flat middle of the first half. And some of these guys came in, Clifford came in, Wright came in, um, and Hadley was just huge all game. All the transfers were very impactful, actually. Javon Hadley, Ethan Wright, and Jalen Gabadon. Gabadon was all over the floor. Um, you could feel his presence, his energy. He's just such a fun player to watch and how smart he is. You can really see you know, him cutting off passing lanes um, and just knowing just such a high level of basketball knowledge that that guy has. Uh, he's been very impressive in the limited showings I saw so far, and he followed that up in the first game of the season. The Buffs were active and antagonizing on defense all game. Um, they forced total 15 turnovers from the UC Riverside basketball team. Um, into the second half here, Jalen Gabadon continued to play well. <clears throat> the Buffs were a little slow to start the second half. Um, UCR went on an 8-0 run at one point. Um, and Lawson, he was having his struggles throughout the game. We'll get to all of these guys um, right now as we break down the back box score, actually. The leading scorer was Javon Hadley. He was very impressive, man. Led the team in rebounds also. I tweeted out he had nine upon stat corrections. Left with only eight rebounds. Again, still good enough to lead the team there. He also had three assists. No turnovers and a steal. He also had a block. His plus minus was the highest of any person on the floor at plus 23. He was just spectacular. He was all over the place. I think a pleasant surprise for many people. Um, <clears throat> Hadley is someone that was beginning to see a lot more work than we all originally anticipated. I think, um, we being the media, uh, just in those first uh, couple scrimmages, but he really proved it, um, proved Tad Boyle's belief in him. Uh, if anything in this game, as I mentioned, Jalen Gabadon had a great game himself. He had 12 points. Um, he also had one, only one rebound and two assists though. No turnovers from him. Um, he was just very active on the defensive side. Uh, very competitive guy. Lots of fun to watch. Ethan Wright, only four points, but they needed those four points to get out of a rut in the first half. Um, he did have a steal himself also, and he had one rebound. He was plus eight on the night. KJ Simpson, he had a decent game. 14 total points scored. He did have four turnovers. He added on three assists, two steals, and three rebounds of his own. Um, still waiting to see KJ kind of iron out some of those issues uh, that he carried over from last year, just in terms of turning over the ball. Um, his first one came within minutes of the game starting. So that's an area that will continually need to be monitored. Tristan Da Silva, a little quiet in this one, 12 total points though. He had an assist. He also had five rebounds, two turnovers, a steal himself, and he had a block. He was plus eight on the night. Lawson Lovering, only one for seven from the field. He hit both of his free throws and only three rebounds. 
giving the team four points, two assists. He had two turnovers himself, but he also had two steals and a block. Um, like I said, I think he had two blocks, actually. He was actually plus 12, though. Uh, Coach Tad Boyle talked about him, and I know a lot of people, I saw it on social, a lot of people were disappointed in Lawson's play tonight. <clears throat> but Coach Boyle was adamant that he was just, I don't know, a little hyped up, maybe moving too fast through the motions. I think we could all see that with just the shots he was throwing up and how he looked in the game. But Tad Boyle remains consistent in his belief that he will be a weapon for the Buffs. You kind of saw that lack of size come into play a bit in this one. Uh, UC Riverside actually really hang in, hung in there with Colorado in terms of uh, rebounds. They had 44 total rebounds. They actually out-rebounded the Buffs 44 to 43. You know, Tad wasn't too happy about that. Um, he did mention that. He mentioned the field goal percentage for UC Riverside. They went 29 to 72 from the field for tonight. Only four of 21 from three. Uh, so defensively, the Buffs were fantastic. Again, it's just some of those issues that I talked about from the inter-squad scrimmage and from the Nebraska scrimmage. Those shots just weren't really falling, and we're starting to see a, sort of a pattern emerge with this Buffs basketball team where they start off really, really hot, and then they just kind of fade down the stretch. Um, we'll see how that kind of works out. It's definitely something to monitor moving forward here. Some other guys in the box score. Nick Clifford, quiet game for him, only four points. He had three rebounds, two assists, three turnovers, and a steal. He was plus 18, though. Uh, the best three-point shooter for the bus was actually Tristan Da Silva. He went for two for two on his three-point uh, three shots. That's about it looking at the box score, though. Um, turnovers from point, or points from turnovers, sorry. Colorado beat UC Riverside 22 to 10 in that department. Uh, you can credit a lot of that, I think, to the first half. Just how good Colorado was playing defensively. They had so many steals, I think six within the first 10 minutes or so. In terms of second point chances, this is something that the Buffs are going to have to work on. And in terms of offensive rebounds, they did get out-rebounded in that department, 15 to 12. That led to more second point chances or second chance points for the UC Riverside basketball team, 10 to 7 to Colorado in that department. Colorado's bench, though, was huge. 32 points to UCR's 19. Uh, UC Riverside actually outscored the Buffs in the second half, 38 to 36. But the Buffs leading 46 to 28 at halftime. It was enough to solidify the lead. It got pretty close towards the end there. I think UC Riverside cut it to 10. The Buffs end the game on a 6-0 run. I'd say it was a decent first start for this basketball team. It was exciting to see them. Uh, they covered the spread also, for those that are curious. I believe the spread was 11 points. Um, so how about that? I mean, a Colorado team that won the game and covered in a game that they should have done so, uh, addedly. But also, just with how this football season has turned out, I think it's nice for everyone involved with CU at the moment to get a win and to cover. Just do things that we expect. Before we get into your guys' replies today for this basketball game i want to tell you about our friends over at game time game time is the hottest new ticketing app that will absolutely deliver you the best deals no matter what event you're trying to go to maybe it's a game maybe it's a concert whatever it is hit up game time and use them to find the hottest and best deals in the market 
Uh, they're created by the fans for the fans and guarantees the lowest price. If you love DMVR, then you'll love Game Time. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description. Check the description on the site or in this podcast description. It'll be right there for you. And it'll actually take you straight to CU Basketball also. Join over 15 million people who have downloaded the Game Time app and score the best seats to all your favorite events. Unfortunately, we have to wait until I believe November 27th for the next Buffs home game in basketball uh, against the Yale Bulldogs, Jalen Gabadon's former team. If you're interested in heading that one, make sure you check out the Game Time app for the best deals on that game and everything else there is. Also, shout out to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. They have a great promo going on right now where new customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. You can also check out check out their stepped-up same-game parlays. Obviously, college basketball starting up. Tons of great stuff out there. Uh, plenty of odds, boosts, and free bets that DraftKings will be giving away throughout this basketball season, NBA and college basketball. And not to mention, we still have a football season to finish up. Make sure you keep on checking that homepage, scrolling across the top. Tons of great deals going on over there. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DMBR and make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code DMBR. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Some of your replies that I got from you all after this basketball game. We're going to start here. Van Roge, he says, how many years of eligibility does Hadley have? Loved watching him play. Lots to like from the team tonight, excepting, uh, excepting a couple of losses of focus, sorry, that let River, couple of lapses of focus, I think is what he meant to say, that let Riverside close big leads. Uh, spot on Van Roche, shout out to my guy, Zach Tool at Straight Gross in the comments saying two years of eligibility for Hadley. So we have plenty of more basketball to expect from him in the near future. But yeah, he was super impressive. Really looking forward to seeing what he does on Friday and throughout this season. At Professor Hare says, The inside will be an issue when it comes to playing solid teams. Da Silva is a great stretch forward. Just worried if either him or Lovering is in foul trouble. We are quite shallow. Yeah, that's uh, that's something we've been talking about just as we prepare for this season. Is this lack of size really going to come back and bite this team in the ass? or not, we will wait and see. Uh, Lawson kind of figuring it out and being more of a weapon on the offensive side as a development. That is going to be huge for this team also. I mean, we saw them get out-rebounded tonight, so you're going to need some guys to really step up uh, at all positions to contribute in that department. And our last reply from at Denver JW, uh, covering what we already talked about, lovering big disappointment, looks totally lost. Remember, this is a guy returning from an injury, uh, first game of the year. I, w- I would suggest not to be too harsh on him. Uh, Coach Tab Boyle had some encouraging words. Make sure you check out the site for that article coming out on Tuesday. Read about what Javon Hadley had to say. Read about what Jalen Gabadon had to say. And, of course, Coach Tab Boyle. All right, guys, with that, let's transfer over to football and talk about the weekend in the Pac-12. <clears throat> some very exciting games. Um, starting off on Friday, we had the Oregon State Beavers traveling to Seattle, take on the Washington Huskies. Oregon entered as the number 23 ranked team in the, t- in the country. First time they've been ranked in, I think, 
four or five years, at least since 2019, I think is the stat. So it's been a while, kind of providing maybe a blueprint that the Buffs football team can follow as they try to rebuild their program. Let's get into the game, though. Oregon State starts with the ball, and Damian Martinez is running well early on. Oregon State's offensive line also just so good. They had great push early on against Washington. Ben Golbranson threw a dropped interception on 3rd and 10, but Oregon State bailed out on a defensive pass interference on that play. Uh, Martinez finishes the drive. Must He must have had 30 or 40 rushing yards on that opening drive. He was awesome. That drive ended in a three-yard Deshaun Fenwick touchdown run. The Beavers go up 7-0. After that drive, uh, Washington will punt. Oregon State and Martinez drive the ball deep into Husky territory, but Washington defense holds on third and one and fourth and two at the Washington six-yard line. Keep these in mind. These are going to come back and bite the Beavers in the butt. Uh, the Beavers block a punt on the next Washington drive, but Oregon State goes for it again on a fourth and three from the Washington 15. A fourth and two from the six and a fourth and three from the 15. They don't get either. Penix and Washington finally get it going off a third and 16 from their own nine-yard line after the turnover. It was Michael Penix to Rome Odunze on a middle screen that went for 27 yards, and that really kick-started their offense. Penix was rolling. Um, he was also able to convert a third and 11 and a fourth and 10 on that drive. That ends in a Tualapapa run from two yards out to make it 7-7. We're going to fast forward a bit here to the next Washington drive. Michael Penix throws a pick six with one minute, 20 seconds left in the half. Oregon State goes up 14-7 to there. And with 14, se- 14 seconds left on fourth and 11 from the Oregon State 29, Washington goes for it, and it's another Penix dropped interception. That would have been another pick six. Oregon State is up 14 to 7 at half, but it really should have been more. You got to go to those fourth down opportunities. Um, If you just go for field goals instead of trying to go for it inside the 15 on two occasions, that's six points. Um, If you pick off the interception early or uh, late in the second half, that would have been a pick six. We're talking about a potentially 27-7, 28-7 type of lead for the Beavers, but they are not able to capitalize. On to the second half, these teams trade three and outs to start the half, and Branson is really struggling. I mean, we'll get into the stats after the breakdown here, but man, he was not good at all. Washington gets a big punt return that eventually leads to a 24-yard Michael Penix touchdown pass. On the next drive, Washington sacks Branson on a 3rd and 10, but gets called on a face mask penalty to give Oregon State an automatic first down. Deshaun Fenwick scores from 19 yards out to make it 21-14. The Washington run game gets going in response, and Papa caps off a 9-play 66-yard drive with a 4-yard touchdown run. And then, oddly enough, the power went out. Uh, shades of Super Bowl, oh God, 47-46 between the... Ravens and the Niners. It was about 10 minutes, though. Game goes back on. Uh, the offenses went dead after that. Washington got the ball with four and a half minutes left, and Penix was calm, cool, and collected, made good throws to drive Washington inside the Oregon State five-yard line. Washington settles for a 22-yard field goal with 12 seconds left to take the lead, 24-21, to 21, and they really escape the Oregon State Beavers coming in. And it would have been an upset in terms of odd makers, but the Oregon State Beavers ranked in the, coming into this one. And they really were the better team. 
they were able to capitalize on some of those miscues from Washington. And if Gil Branson was able to play a little bit better, this is definitely a Beavers win. Into the stats we go. As I mentioned, Gil Branson really struggled. He went 12 of 19 for 87 yards. That's a 4.6 yards per completion average. Just awful. Zero touchdowns, zero interceptions though. Damian Martinez is an absolute beast for Oregon State at running back. They kind of went away from him a little bit, uh, which I thought was a little peculiar. Still, 19 carries, 107 yards. As I mentioned, 30 to 40 of those had to have come on that opening drive. Damian Martinez also had a reception for 40 yards too. He was the leading receiver in that game. He is just a beast. He did have a lost fumble though. On the other side, Michael Penix Jr., I mean, the guy just continues to throw at a high level, although there should have been a draw, uh, pick six that was dropped. Um, he w- He's just not really been playing as high of a level as he was to start the year. Still relatively a good quarterback. And if Washington just had some more guys on defense that can make plays, I mean, they really got bailed out by Oregon State miscues in this one. Nothing to really talk about in terms of rushing the ball for the Huskies, Cameron Davis led the team, 11 carries, 55 yards. Wayne Tuella-Papa, 8 carries, 27 yards. He did have two touchdowns, though. Romo Dunze, another nice day for him at receiver, 7 receptions, 102 yards. On the defensive side of the ball, no sacks uh, for Oregon State, only one sack for the Washington defense. That was Cam Bright. Um, You had the pick 6, that was Easton Mascarenas Arnold for Oregon State. And that's about it. As I mentioned, this is a really good Oregon State team. We've talked about them a lot throughout the year, obviously. And they really let one slip through their hands here. On to the next highly entertaining game of the weekend. We go to Southern California where the Buffs are headed to this weekend or this Friday, I should say. And it was no Jordan Addison, no Mario Williams again for USC, but no problem. Caleb Williams is just an animal, man. USC actually punts on their opening drive, and Cal has a quick and efficient five-play 76-yard drive where Plummer found Hunter for 30 yards, and Jaden Ott had some great runs, including the 10-yard touchdown run on the opening drive. Jaden Ott is going to be special. I don't know what the exact deal is with Cal's offense. Maybe it's offensive line. Maybe it's play calling, but they got to get him more involved. He is a very talented player. Another game of... Caleb Williams just being incredible though. He ran it in for a one-yard touchdown and was spreading it around on the next USC drive after um, Cal scored. And then he was spreading it around, as I mentioned, but Taj Washington um, has been absolutely massive for this team without Addison and Williams. He had another great game. Um, Caleb had two passes. We're in the second quarter now, by the way, but Caleb had two passes and Travis Dye finishes first drive of the second quarter from 12 yards out. Uh, both offenses continued to struggle after that, but Tui, Tui Peloto, the defender, the defensive lineman for USC was just wreaking havoc. He had two sacks within a matter of minutes for the Trojans and really set Cal back early in the first half. USC then picks off Plummer towards the end of the second quarter and they capitalize to score some points before halftime. Caleb Williams finds Taj Washington for 29 yards and then hits Michael Jackson the third from seven yards out to go up 20 to seven. After that, in the second half, uh, Michael Jackson, the third massive game from him. He had a huge 59 yard screen pass for a touchdown. That made it 27 to seven, but Cal finds a rhythm and responds. 
Plummer had another great throw to Hunter for 58 yards. And after a DPI in the end zone, Plummer throws a two-yard touchdown pass. The score is now 27-14. to After the two teams trade three and outs, and then Pac-12 after dark happens, mayhem just ensues in this game. Travis Dye moves USC into the Cal red zone, and two plays later, Caleb Williams hits Taj Washington for an eight-yard touchdown pass. The next drive, though, Cal completely catches USC on a play-action play, uh, play pass. Jesus. Uh, say that five times fast. Plummer hits a wide open Marvin Anderson for a 47-yard touchdown to make it 34-21. to Cal was not going away, and they had their biggest trick up their sleeve unrolled here. They go for the surprise onside kick and recover it. They follow that up with a 10-play, 52-yard drive. Plummer with a three-yard touchdown pass to Hunter. That makes it 34-27. to Cal really coming back. Huge credit to them in this one. But Michael Jackson III and Caleb Williams just on another level. Caleb found Michael Jackson III on a scramble drill 29 29 yards down the field. The next play, Michael Jackson III gains 19 yards on a reverse. The Trojans work the ball down to the two for another Caleb Williams touchdown pass. USC is up to 41 points at this point. Plummer responds with an impressive drive going 6 for 11 for 81 yards. Uh, Jalen Ott capped it off with the only run on that drive. Four-yard touchdown run. It's a two-point conversion attempt that is good on a shovel pass to make it 41-35. to There's still time left in the game. Cal has to get a stop, but USC runs out the clock. They take the win, 41-35, to much closer than many, many people thought. You got to give credit to Cal and Jack Plummer, though. Also, Jaden, I mean, they got, as I mentioned, they got to get him the ball more. He was just so dynamic on that opening drive. Um, I know you're playing USC and you got to catch up, but, man, he is just so special. On to the next game. Let's go to Utah here, where Arizona went in. Projected a lot of points in this one. I thought this would be way more higher scoring than it was. Uh, Arizona just continues to have some issues at consistency, putting drives together. Let's get into the game, though. Cam Rising was back at quarterback for the Utes, but Utah's ground game shines heavily in this one. Arizona started hot with a 38-yard pass to Michael Wiley, but Jaden DeLore fumbles the ball in the handoff exchange the next play, and Utah recovers two punts, and Utah has the ball at the, I mean two punts, meaning Utah punts, and then Arizona punts. Utah has the ball back at the Arizona 37 after a bad Arizona punt from their own end zone. Utah moves the ball well, primarily on the ground that drive. Jalen Dixon scores on a seven-yard end around. Arizona would respond, however, on a four-play 75-yard drive. Uh, Wiley, the running back with a 57-yard run to get to the one. They knock it in the next play. It's 7-7 seven to seven at this point. Utah goes on an 11-play 75-yard drive, and their toughness and speed really giving Arizona issues at this point. Um, it results in Pater. Nate Johnson caps the drive off with an 8-yard touchdown run. On the next Arizona drive, the Wildcats get the ball to the Utah 24, but Delora is sacked on first down. They go for it on fourth and 20 after that first down sack, and Delora is sacked again. Utah takes advantage of that short field and rams the ball down Arizona's throat to go up 21 to seven. This is all in the first quarter, late in this or uh, first half. Later in this second quarter, <clears throat> Utah punts and Arizona Arizona fumbles the return at the Utah 10. Utah recovers. Nate Johnson runs it in from nine yards out in the next play. It's 28 to 10 at this point. Uh, Delora drives Arizona into the red zone, but they have to settle for a field goal. 
The score is 28 to 13 at halftime. It was a very sloppy third quarter on both sides of the ball. Eventually, Utah would muster up a drive. Uh, they get all the way down to the one-yard line and fumble the ball themselves. Arizona would recover that, but Arizona immediately goes three and out. Utah scores a field goal, and then Arizona fumbles. Two plays later, Utah fumbles. It just got it became a mess in the second half, honestly. Uh, but Utah pulled away in the fourth quarter. Final score, 45-20. to 20. Looking at the box score, uh, Jaden Delora just probably his worst game of the season so far. Only 10 of 20, 159 yards. Uh, they actually brought in the backup quarterback at a certain point. Uh, Noah Fafita, I believe is that name. Michael Wiley ran for six carries, 64 yards, was the leading rusher for the Wildcats. Uh, Tetroa McMillan, four receptions, 78 yards. He had a touchdown. That's the four-star freshman for the Wildcats. He's going to be a stud. Jacob Cowing, really quiet, though. Five receptions, 29 yards, no touchdowns. He actually fumbled the punt also that resulted in a quick Utah score later in the game. On the Utah side of the ball, Cam Rising, just a, a meh game in his return from injury, 13 to 25, 151 yards and one touchdown. He did not add anything on the ground, so that injury must have been severe enough, obviously, to hold him out last week, but also to limit his play style. Only two carries, negative seven rushing yards for him. But the story of the game was Utah's running game. As a team, 55 total carries for 306 yards and five touchdowns. The leading rusher being Jaquindon Jackson, 13 carries, 97 yards and a touch. Jalen Glover went off for eight carries, 69 yards himself. Micah Bernard, 12 carries, 48 yards. Tavion Thomas, also back from injury, eight carries, 38 yards. Not much going on the receiving end for Utah. Uh, Devon Vele, five receptions, 57 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, Thomas Yasmin had two receptions, 42 yards. He also had a touchdown, though. Tons of fumbles in this game. I mean, Arizona was credited with seven fumbles, four of them being lost. Just a disaster on all sides of the ball. Utah wasn't clean themselves, though. Three fumbles for them. Two of those were lost. Really just a sloppy game. Only one sack for the Wildcats, and that was Hunter Eccles. Utah managed to sack um, Arizona three times. Alaki Vamahi, one sack himself. Uh, Jatravis Broughton had a sack himself. And then Kareen Reed and Jonah Ellis split a sack between the two. Thought this game would be more entertaining, honestly. I really thought Arizona had a chance with Cam Rising being hurt to compete and potentially push the Utes. But nonetheless, the talent disparity just too much to overcome. Utah was 18-point favorites. They covered that one. On to the next heavy hitter in the Pac-12. We're going to talk about UCLA traveling to Phoenix or Tempe, rather, to take on the Arizona State Sun Devils. Zach Charbonnet was ruled out in warm-ups, but no problem. Immediately in this game, first play of the game, DTR is intercepted on an overthrow. ACU gets the ball to the UCLA 7, but has to settle for a 25-yard field goal. Next drive, DTR bounces back. He makes a beautiful throw to convert third and 12. Casimir Allen announces his arrival, though, with a 34-yard run. DTR runs it in from 14 yards after that, um, and he adds another hurdle to his highlight reel. ASU continues to show nice balance with Bourget. Bourget or Bourget? I've heard the play-by-play guys call him two different names. I'm not sure exactly what the pronunciation of Arizona State's quarterback is, but we're going with Bourget. Nice balance with Bourget and Xavier Valade, though. UCLA gets a fourth and goal, or gets... 
The Sun Devils to fourth and goal, but Bourget finds Messiah Swinson for a three-yard touchdown. Uh, Arizona State just looks so much better with Bourget and Sean Aguano at head coach. But Casimir Allen for UCLA, remember this name. This guy is super explosive. He has another explosive play um, after that ASU touchdown. 42 yards on an end around, and the Bruins scored two plays later to make it 14-10. After three punts later in the second quarter, UCLA has an incredibly explosive five-play 91-yard drive that ends in a Keegan Jones 10-yard touchdown run to make it 21-10. UCLA was able to add in another touchdown before the end of the half, that was a monster 16-play, 90-yard drive that DTR finished with a 9-yard touchdown pass to Michael Aziki. That makes it 28-10. Bruins, ASU punts to start the second half. DTR has another nice drive, picking up a fumble and running it for a first down. His running back fumbles the ball. And it was like, you remember that Andrew Luck play in the playoffs against the Chiefs? Of course you do. It was like that, but in the middle of the field, and DTR just ran for like 12 more yards. It was crazy. Anyways... Uh, DTR eventually runs it in from four yards out, makes the score 35 to 10. But ASU never quit. They dug deep. They finally find some offense behind Balladay. Bourget completes a 13-yard pass on fourth and four to get ASU to the UCLA seven. Bourget then throws it to the corner of the end zone for Elijah Badger, and it's a fantastic one-handed catch for a touchdown. He really just snagged that ball out of the air. It was like uh, super glue on his gloves or something. ASU goes for two and get and they get it to make it 35 to 18. They're hanging around, but Casimir Allen can't say enough about how much this guy impressed me in this game. He follows that huge ASU response up with an amazing one play 75 yard touchdown run for a touchdown. Um, great speed and vision shown by Allen on that play. Bourget takes a big hit the next drive, but makes an incredible throw, taking the Sun Devils all the way to the goal line. It's another beautiful throw and catch from Bourget to Swinson for a touchdown. It makes it 42-25. to UCLA then fumbles on the handoff and gives ASU a huge opportunity, but the Sun Devils are only able to get a field goal. UCLA would punt, and ASU would drive eight plays and 68 yards for an ex-Valade one-yard touchdown run. They cut it to eight points, guys. They got another successful two-point conversion after that uh, from Bourget. That makes it 42-36. to UCLA's running backs dominate the next drive, and they go for two after a one-yard Colson Yankoff touchdown run, and they get the conversion to make it what, end, what would end up being the final score, 50-36. to uh, Borges throws an interception in the final seconds. Tons of credit to Borges in this ASU offense, though. They found a rhythm. They found something that works for them with X valade with Badger at wide receiver, and most importantly with Borges and Sean Aguayo at head coach. He's done wonders for this team. He has to be, I think, in serious consideration to be the full-time head coach for the Sun Devils. Before we get to our final game, Washington State at Stanford, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at Breckenridge Brewery. So many great beers. It's always Breckenridge Brewery season for that fact. Um, you can crush a Broncos Country Pale Ale uh, with it being the fall heading into winter. We've already passed daylight savings time. Hit up a vanilla Porter Jr. That beer just hits the spot right now. Of course, you can also get my favorites, the Mountain Beach Sour and the Strawberry Sky. Head on over to www.breckbrew.com. Find a Broncos Country Pale Ale or any of those great beers I named near you using their beer locator. Also, shout out to our friends over at Ivaca TV. Ivaca TV is the new GOAT in Colorado sports. 
That is the greatest of all TV. Ivaca TV delivers amped up sports coverage for Colorado fans featuring Altitude Sports and AT&T Sportsnet. Get the most regional content for the lowest price for sports in Colorado. That's Avs, Nuggets, DU, CSU. I'm sure CSU... We should just delete that one for this ad read on this podcast. Um, Northern Colorado and MSU. Check out the trailer for 100 Visible Threads. Uh, That is the documentary our Nuggets crew, uh, headed up by Ryan Green, actually, our video guy. That's an incredible documentary. The trailer's up on YouTube. You can check it out on our YouTube channel at DMVR Sports. Set yourself up with evoca.tv slash DMVR to watch your favorite Colorado sports teams and original DMVR content. They have the DMVR channel. Anytime we go live on YouTube, you tune into that channel and you are brought right into the show. Shout out to Avaca TV and shout out to Breckenridge Brewery. Let's get to our final game on the docket. This one's really quick. Uh, it wasn't even close from any point in this game, really. Uh, final score was 52-14, to 14, Washington State beating the Stanford Cardinal. Cameron Ward and Washington State were cooking early. Uh, they had touchdowns on their first three drives. They were up 21-7 to 7 when Stanford brings in their backup quarterback. Um, they try to do some of that weird stuff that we saw from the bus with Drew Carter where he just runs a read option. Well, he fumbles the ball, Stanford's backup quarterback. That leads to a Wazoo touchdown to make it 35-7. to Wazoo scores again before the half. It's 42-7 to at halftime. The final score is 52-14. to Cam Ward... I'm not sure. He is the weirdest quarterback, I think. He went 16-32, so only 50%, but 176 yards and two touchdowns. It's it's so weird watching him play because he looks so much better when you're watching the game, but then you check out the box scores and stuff like this where it's actually fairly pedestrian. Nakia Watson actually had a nice day running the ball for the Cougars. 16 carries, 166 yards, and one touchdown. Um, nothing else really going on offensively for the Cougars. Stanford, uh, Tanner McKee, I mean, he hung in there, but he went 23 of 40, 236 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Stanford, as a team, only 28 rushes for 71 yards. That's a 2.5 yards per carry average. Just dreadful stuff. Ben Urosic, though, um, the tight end for Stanford, had a nice game, eight receptions, 90 yards. Five total fumbles for the Stanford Cardinal. Four of them were lost. A huge storyline in this game and why Washington State beat the hell out of them so badly. In terms of sacks and defensive production, kind of pedestrian. Uh, One sack for Tavion Brown on Washington State. Brennan Jackson also had a sack himself. Uh, That front is ferocious. They made it really hard on Stanford to run the ball and do anything offensively. That's about it for Stanford, though. They didn't really have anything else going on in their side of the ball. Uh, David Bailey... Um, he had two tackles for a loss. He also had a quarterback hurry, um, but that's about it in this one. I don't know if you guys can tell, but my voice is getting a little raspy. Not sure if I'm getting sick or if I've just been talking too much. It was a very long day. Um, we were at Boulder, or I was at Boulder, I should say, bright and early, or well, not bright and early, but 11 a.m. Uh, to get quotes, and then drove back home, uh, did all my Pac-12 recap stuff, Thought I'd be able to get this podcast out before, but obviously not, which is why we're doing it now. Um, but we got to see the game, the basketball game after that. Remember Friday, it's a very busy for busy day for us Buff Nation. We have a game at 6 o'clock. The Buffs take on Grambling at Grambling uh, for the basketball team. And then when it comes to football, 7.30, the Buffs will take on the USC Trojans 
in Los Angeles. They are 34-point underdogs. RK is back this week. I think it's safe to say you can expect a live show on Wednesday if my voice ends up holding up until then. Uh, Tons of great stuff coming out. As I mentioned at the top, check out the site. There will be a basketball article out at some point tomorrow. I do have to go back to Boulder in the morning. So if that's not out until the early afternoon, apologies. But there should also be football content coming out. um, If not late tomorrow, early Wednesday. That's going to do it for today, guys. A fun day at Boulder. Glad I got to see another win. My second win, um, football and basketball combined, which is crazy seeing as we're at November 7th right now. But it is what it is. This basketball team is fun. I'm really looking forward to more games, watching them, talking about them with you guys. Uh, Wednesday's a big day for this program too. We have the commitment of Cody Williams hanging in the air. Colorado mentioned as one of the final teams he is down to. He is an ESPN top 100 prospect. So he could be a potential huge get for Tad Boyle on the basketball team. Make sure you keep it tuned in here to everything DMVR. For all the inside information you need on your buffs, Broncos, Nuggets, Avs, whatever it may be in Denver sports, we have you covered. Again, my name is Jake Schwanitz. Make sure you check out the Twitters at DMVR underscore buffs and my personal one at Jake DMVR. Until Wednesday, guys. Let's go buffs.